and welcome to the True Crime Squad. This is Katie Weaver. I'm here with my sister, co-host and partner in crime, Christy Brower. Hello. Hello, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Uh-huh. Whoa. Indeed. Time flies when you're waiting for Lori Vallow's trial to start. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> that is very sadly true. This is the weirdest, to, to quote our friend Kelly, most bejiggity week. I'm so uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. And then Justin Lum today and, and others, of course, published that uh, there's a surprise hearing for Lori in the morning at 1030 a.m. in the Ada County Courthouse. No indication. And it's it's open. It's an open hearing, mm -hmm. uh, which means anyone can go. Uh, no indication that they're streaming that to Madison. It looks to me like they're probably not. What the hell is going on? I have, you'll see. I have one proposition have a theory. of what it might be. Yes. I, I'm i so weirdly nervous and out of place about it. And maybe it's because we're not going to be there. Right. Because we've been in all the hearings for like the last three months. And so it feels mm -hmm. very strange to not be there. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm very uncomfortable this week about Lori, all the Lori stuff. Yeah. I hear you. I, yeah, I don't like it at all. So, mm -hmm. whew, boo. However, to hell with Lori for just a moment. We are going to talk about her today, but uh, there's a lot of things going on in the crime world. So we thought it might be nice to just do one of those true crime roundup shows where we bring some updates and some cases. There's a lot of cases that come up that aren't don't have enough info out to make a whole episode out of, but that really deserve some airtime and that we'd like to share. So, we like to take opportunities like this to do exactly that. Yeah. So we're do. actually going to kick today off with a DNA for the win. Yay. So this is a cold case out of California. It happened in 1979 at Lake Tahoe. And a young lady was unfortunately uh, beat to death and her body was found, but uh, she was unidentified oh. for a really long time. This was in 1979. In 2015, her body was exhumed and DNA was taken. Wow. She was buried as unknown female 979. Mm. And that's all she was known at. Does for that all. mean 9 of 79, like as in the month or the number or the number of Jane Doe's that year? I don't know. She was like, found in 1979. So Right, but was she found in like September of 79? Or was she the ninth day? Oh, that's a terrible thought. It is a terrible thought. I don't know. Well, actually, she was found in 979. She was found was on she? September 28th. Okay, there we go. I, I feel better about that than that she was the ninth Jane Doe of that year. Right. That would be terrible because I know that yeah. they're way more than we would ever fathom. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah. So this lady, this young lady had been beaten and strangled. 
uh, and sexually assaulted at a campground in South Lake Tahoe. And again, she was unidentified. Well, in 1995, or sorry, in 19, let's see, what did I say, 1995? No, 2015. Uh, the case was revived and she was exhumed. And one thing that they did, uh, they were doing DNA as well, trying to uh, figure out who she is. But yeah. they also had placed photos of her jewelry in a newspaper. Mm. And some family members saw it and recognized the jewelry. Uh, the reason oh. the jewelry was uh, a little more interesting or, you know, stood out is because it was uh, Jewish in nature. Oh, Okay. And some people recognized it as being their family member. So they at least were able to put a name on her. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so that was the first step in being able to recognize at least who she is. Her name is Patricia Carnahan. And they at least were able to say that. But... Oh. They also had a rape kit. Oh. And they had done the rape kit and they had the DNA, but there was nothing. They had tried. They had taken the DNA. They had gone through CODIS. They, and then they also did some uh, familial or ancestral DNA. And they traced it back to an older man in Spokane that they had interviewed but it didn't uh it didn't turn any fruit mm. so they still didn't know mm -hmm. well in the meantime there was a sexual assault back in 1994 in washington and as with a lot of states they have lots and lots of rape kits sitting on the shelves that have never been processed yeah well that kit from 1994 was finally processed just a couple of months ago. That's right. It's only 30 years old. Okay. Amazing that it was still viable, that it had been kept mm -hmm. stored properly to still be viable. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. But that rape had a suspect a man named Harold Carpenter, but mm -hmm. they'd never been able to prove that he was the one who did it, you know, because mm -hmm. they never did the, the freaking DNA. Yeah. So here's their smoking gun because they do that rape kit. And this is of course a separate rape. This has nothing to do with Patricia Carnahan. Mm -hmm. Well, that rape kit matches Patricia Carnahan's rape kit. Wow. And that person that was that suspect's name is freaking Harold, whatever. Yeah. Wow. Freaking Harold, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, is Harold Carpenter. Well, guess who is the nephew of the old dude that they already interviewed from the familial DNA? Harold Carpenter. Oh my gosh. They interviewed his freaking uncle. Oh, wow. Now, I don't think his uncle knew, you know, that he was a murderer. Yeah. But also, you guys, he killed Patricia Carnahan in 1979. 
Yeah. The rape kit in question was from 1994. Could that possibly be the only two? No. I can't believe that. Mm -hmm. I can't. I won't. Mm -hmm. He's alive. And he's been arrested. And he's being what? held in Spokane. That's fantastic. Almost, They're almost always dead in these cases. So I know. Great. So the family finally has some answers. They finally know what happened to poor Patricia. Yeah. They know who did it. They are going to be held accountable. And I just wonder, now that this fool's DNA is widely in CODIS, what else is going to come from that? Because you cannot tell me that he raped one person in 1994 and raped and murdered another person in 1979, and those are the only crimes he's committed. I refuse Definitely. to believe it. No, so unlikely. Yep. Wow. But for now, we'll take it. That's a DNA for the win. That is a DNA for the win. Wow. Thank you. What a story. Yeah. So, uh, however, let's just say yet again and, and loudly for those in the back, it is absolutely inexcusable that these rape kids are going unprocessed like this. Absolutely inexcusable. For that long. I mean, the risk to the public is such bullshit. Yeah. You know, They're not to mention just, just the peace of mind for the victim, mm -hmm. you know, and the victim's family. But then the rest of the country that is at risk from this person, it's just horrendous. Especially because they knew. Yeah. He knew in 1994 that he was the culprit, but couldn't prove it without the kit. Like, how? Yeah. My God. Anyway, keep pressure. Keep pressure on your states and on your legislators. Pay attention. Find out what your backlog is. Mm -hmm. We had talked a while ago about Idaho's backlog, uh, mm -hmm. and somebody had asked us what, uh, where there was more info on that. And when I went looking, I discovered that actually it's a lot better than it used to be. Mm -hmm. There's been federal money. Uh, through the Violence Against Women Act that has been made available uh, when President Biden re-initiated the Violence Against Women Act uh, that had fallen uh, away during the last administration. Yeah. When he brought it back, it provided funds for states to process their rape backlogs. And that's why this kit actually got processed is because Washington was given $3 million to process backlogged rape kits. Um, and here you go. You had a murderer sitting right there amongst you for all these years. Yep. Mm. Yep. Who thought he'd gotten away with it. Sure did. I can't imagine he, that he thought he would ever be caught. After all these years. Yeah. yeah. He managed Too to bad on you, Harold, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Harold, whatever. He's got a very forgettable name and face. He sure does. All righty. Well, with that, I'm going to kick the mic back over to you for a true crime update. Yes. So what I suspect this hearing might be, and I could be wrong, but this is what I think it might be. Uh, <laughs> I think this is a little bit of a comeuppance <laughs> for the prosecution and the uh, defense in this case, because mm -hmm. if you may recall, Lori Vallow and her defense team filed uh, her notice of alibi in January. Well, it was actually uh, about nine months late. Mm -hmm. And uh, the uh, <laughs> prosecution has now 
filed their uh, objection to this, saying that she needed to file it nine months ago, much closer to the time that she actually was arraigned, in, which was in April, on April 19th of 2022. Mm -hmm. And that um, the alibi, all the, so they say it's too late. Also, they say it doesn't actually apply to the charges of conspiracy to commit murder or grand theft, which is true. Mm -hmm. uh, the prosecutor said an alibi is similarly misplaced in charges where the defendant is charged with murder as a principal. Prosecutors also wrote that they plan to call several witnesses and present business records to refute Ballow's alibi. Mm -hmm. So, interesting. Going to address this? I don't know. It doesn't say that here, um, but maybe they will. Because if you recall, the alibi does not make any sense. <laughs> it no. says that Lori was in her own apartment with other people at the time that JJ and Tylee were murdered, somehow implying that that happened all at the same time, which it didn't, it happened 10 days apart. Yeah. It also says that the children were murdered in, their, in her brother Alex's apartment, mm -hmm. which was a rather interesting admission that she was in fact aware that they were murdered. Yeah. There have been a lot of questions about this alibi. So the prosecution is um, fighting against it, that it mm -hmm. not be brought into court. Um, also saying that an alibi doesn't have any impact on the conspiracy charges or the fraud charges. So, right. right. But the alibi itself was laughable. Yeah, the alibi is ridiculous. It's like two lines. Mm -hmm. we're, we're saying we have an alibi and we're saying it's that the kids were over at Alex's house getting murdered while Lori was sitting at home. Yeah. Which time? Which, yeah, which time? And where the hell were you the 10 days in between when Tylee was, I don't know, missing? Mm -hmm. And then JJ just sort of disappeared and you didn't, that's when you went on the run because you didn't know your kids were murdered? Mm, yeah, right. So, yeah. Uh, interesting, interesting filing. We've, we've laughed about it ever since we saw it for the first time. Mm -hmm. Um. But now the defense has actually, or the prosecutor has actually filed a. Mm -hmm. No, a interesting. Rebuttal. So we'll we're going to get super sticky about dates. Well, I guess we're going to get super sticky about dates. That's kind of what I thought. This is a little bit of a get back game, I think, for all of the stuff that the defense has been on them about mm -hmm. uh, uh, around you know, the timeliness of things. When I read mm -hmm. this, I went, oh, <laughs> They're trying to get back at them. It's kind of funny. Um, but we've been wondering when this would be addressed because mm -hmm. anybody that knows this case very well knows that that's absolutely laughable, that alibi. Mm -hmm. Plus, it literally admits, oh, yeah, I knew the kids were getting murdered. It was over at Alex's house. Yeah. Like, yeah. I knew they were getting murdered over there, but I wasn't there. I was right. at my house. I was at my house. By the way, is this in the same apartment complex, not very far from each other at all. So right. We're, we're talking about different cities or states or something. Oh, no, no, we're talking about a, but maybe a two-minute walk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <coughs> so we'll see right if that's the hearing... from each other. Yes. So we'll see if that is what this hearing is about. Um, maybe it's something else. Maybe this is going to come up a trial. I don't know. But I do think that the prosecution is having a little fun. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I guess an eye for an eye. Uh, I hope that's all it is. I hope you're. I so hope you're right. I hate this. Hate it a lot. I know. 
feels so weird that we can't be there. Everything feels weird right now about this case. Five hours away now, so we can't yeah. just get in the car and go, you know. No, I wish we could. Yeah. I know, me too, but don't see that happening. So we shall we shall see. Yes. Obviously Justin Lum's gonna be there, so we'll find out from him what happens. Justin will be there or will uh Nate Eaton? Well Nate Eaton will be, but I mean I thought Justin Lum was gonna be there too. Oh maybe, is he? Well, maybe so. Everyone will be there but us. Fine, okay, fine. Yeah, Lum is who broke this case, so yeah, he is. We have you know, and then and then Nate Eaton picked it up from there, but mm -hmm. and so did we. Um, but we yeah. will keep an eye on both of those two because they certainly have been who we have relied on when we couldn't have, couldn't be there or couldn't live stream ourselves. I actually informed for Justin Lum uh, at yes, when Lori was <laughs> first brought in, mm -hmm, and and spent quite a bit of time. Uh, alongside of him not really uh you know as colleagues or anything but both waiting for the same thing when Lori was first brought in yep yeah that is true yeah well okay we'll wait and see well but okay i'm gonna go ahead and take it over with some creepy crime Ooh. i'm gonna tell you a little bit about this fool right here Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, he looks like a dollar store of the rock. Just saying. And a dollar store rock, yeah, wish rock. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. Or wish rock, yeah. The Timu okay. rock. I don't know. <laughs> His name is uh Christian Allen Wright. And Christian Allen Wright was had a felony arrest warrant for sexual uh conduct with a minor and molestation of a child and was on an ankle bracelet already for other stuff. Um, just a real uh, shining member of the community, clearly. Well, his family got a call from a nurse at a local hospital saying that Christian had died hmm. and that they needed to come and get his belongings. So they did. And someone uh, in scrubs met them in the lobby with uh, an armload of his, his clothing, his things, as well as the ankle bracelet had been removed and was given to them, all of these things. And they left the hospital uh, believing that Christian had died. Oh boy. They told the police that Christian had died and returned the ankle bracelet. Well, the police couldn't find any proof from the hospital that Christian had died. Mm. They weren't sure they believed that. And it didn't take them very long to discover that Christian, in fact, had not died at all. Had faked his own death and was on the lam. <laughs> what? Who was the nurse that met the family in the hospital? Well, they weren't a nurse at all. They were a friend of Christian's who posed as a nurse, actually was wearing scrubs and hung out in the lobby at the hospital and met the family. Oh now, I have a lot of questions about that because what did these people think was going to go on with Christian's body? Right? Like, this was only going to last for so long. And then I'm sure it like, only uh, did. We'd like to have a funeral now, thank you. I'm sure it only did for them too, uh, you know. But uh, but at any rate, that that's how this genius, you know, this... Nicholas Alibertian style bullshit went down. 
Uh, except for that he didn't make it out of the country like Nicholas did or uh, out for nearly as long. Sorry, Christian, you didn't end up on Interpol's most wanted list like our Nicholas did. Mm -hmm. uh, but he was arrested on March 24th by the Clark County Sheriff's Office in Sellersburg, Indiana. Mm. That's where he's been chilling, is in Indiana. So he's now being held in the jail there, uh, waiting to be, uh, you know, extradited back to Arizona, where he is still going to stand charges for all of this sexual conduct with a minor and molestation of a child, for God's sake. Gross jackass. And what has he been up to while he's been, you know, dead yeah. in Indiana? Well, he was found at a home, so he was being harbored. Oh, jeez. Somehow. Yeah. Listen, Lynette, or whatever your name is, this dude's not worth it. Yeah. Do not write to him in jail, and do not mm -hmm. let him come back to your house. No. What is it with... Oh. And yes, he actually did do it, and no, he wasn't set up. <clears throat> wasn't. Turns out that just doesn't happen that often. No. Yep. So... That's what happened. That's what's up. And we'll keep an eye on this one because, good Lord, what well, idiot. Oh, uh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I'm going to kick the mic back over to you for some more crime news updates. Yes. So we've had a very interesting update today regarding the shooter um, at the Covenant School in Nashville. Yeah. Well, there have been quite a few updates, but I found this one rather interesting and kind of terrifying. Um, she, I'm going to say they, because I, I just still think we're not entirely sure who we're talking about. No, we're not. As we're far not. as the shooter. Mm. Um, sent some messages to a woman named Avariana Patton on Instagram right before 10 a.m. yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, they had been teammates in school. Mm -hmm. um, and so she reached out, they reached out to her, to a, a Variana, indicating being suicidal. Um, one of the messages said, this is my last goodbye. I love you. See you again in another life. Well, and weren't and they teammates on a middle school basketball team? Yeah, like it was a that really was a long, long time ago. Yeah, it, it was. And that's why um, Variana thought it was really odd because it's not like they had a lot of contact. Mm -hmm. um, the shooter said one day this will make more sense I've left more than enough evidence behind but something bad is about to happen mm -hmm. so Patton calls Nashville's non-emergency line well mm -hmm. first of all she called 911 mm -hmm. and they told her to hang up and call the non-emergency line yep um Patton was really worried. So before that, she actually called the Suicide Prevention Helpline to yeah. see if she could get some help for this person. Yeah. Um, and then they said, "We, you really need to call 911. So she does. So the first calls came in reporting the shooting at 1013, which is exactly the same time she called 911. Yeah. So then they say, call the non-emergency line at 1014. And they had her on hold for seven minutes. Yeah. Um, which I imagine is because everyone was busy dealing with the school shooting. She was literally unknowingly kind of reporting. 
After seven minutes, someone caught, got on the phone with her and told her they would send an officer to her home. Um, the officer didn't come until 3.29 p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Variana is, is an influencer in Nashville and has worked in radio and, and in news. Mm-hmm. And she thinks that the shooter called her probably because... Um, of her most recent TV show. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that maybe because she was on TV that maybe this person thought she could help or she should tell some, they should tell someone, you know, yeah. but I thought that was really interesting, but there was really no notice. Like this was going on right before the shooting occurred. Yep. Was having a conversation with somebody yesterday. And I said, I'll bet you that we find out that there are some people that knew something was up with this person mm-hmm. and they either reported it and got ignored or they didn't report it because this happens all the time there yep. is so much information out there about school shooters that should be cluing people into something's going on and obviously yeah. this this happened too quickly mm-hmm. but in other cases we've seen you know there's a, there's stuff leading up for months yep. before these shootings and, and that we have this challenge where sometimes people don't report it because they don't want to get somebody in trouble or they're not sure who to tell. Or they do report it and the police just kind of blow it off as nothing. Yeah. And she messaged me today and went, did you see this? That thing you said? It actually mm-hmm. happened. I'm like, yeah, I'm not surprised because it almost always does. Yeah. It's the thing that we have to get so much better at because if the shooter said this to someone right before the shooting... What had they said to other people before that? Right. This was a person from junior high, like a long time ago. The shooter was 28. So right. what do we know? You know, like, yeah, maybe someone who was a little closer knew even sooner, even, you know, with more notice than that, that something was wrong. Right. That had talked to her long before. Yeah. Yeah. So a there's junior a high connection. Yeah. Right. Right. So there's always that question. And then the question of how do we fix that problem? The people, because I don't think that these shooters really want to do what they do. I mean, they do it because it's their last resort and they have to do it in their head. They're feeling that way. But Mm -hmm. most of them, they write a manifesto. They put some weird shit on Facebook. They message some friends. We hear about messages on Instagram all the time Mm -hmm. uh, with shooters. And it's like they're trying to reach out for help, but they don't dare say exactly what's going on. Although some of them have actually said exactly what was going to happen. Yeah. Um, What do we do to put a better system in place so that people know who to report to and so that law enforcement takes it seriously? Right. Sometimes a well check is all you need to go, oh, something's very off. Or why is this house full of guns? Or, you know, like there's some prevention that we're missing in this piece right here. And I know that this particular case, it was wrong timing, but it's a great example of what has happened in other cases only, you know, the day before or the week before the shooting. Yeah. We need like a national hotline where people can call and report this stuff. Mm -hmm. And then law enforcement is immediately deployed to that house just to do a well check on that person Mm -hmm. and see if they're okay. See if there's something they need to get involved with. I just really question like if we could. Well, take a look at their records. I mean, she fought guns from several different stores and 
right? Had way more guns purchased than she actually used in this event. And, right. And, yeah. and if, if we were tracking anything with guns, I mean, would you wonder why somebody was buying that many guns? Like, mm -hmm. what? You know, our dad was a hunter. He'd buy a gun occasionally. One. Once a year, maybe. But like if that, seven? Yeah. That's a red flag. Right? Within just a month or two of each other? Yeah. How how isn't that a red flag? It should be. Right. We need a we need a, a mass shooting prevention hotline mm -hmm. that links up everybody in the country mm -hmm. that you can call. It's one phone number. Mm -hmm. When you dial it, you report everything that you know, mm -hmm. and that's that immediately gets checked out. I honestly think that we could prevent a lot of school shootings with this. Mm -hmm. When you look at these shootings, and if you look at them the way that we do and study them, so many of them were preventable for multiple reasons. Oh, yes. and if one person in that person's life picked up the phone and said, something's not right here. Mm -hmm. That would be it. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, it would depend it's, on what kind of investigation was done. Right. But also, and it would the also our... require then law enforcement to actually take it seriously and do something about it, because that's the mm -hmm. other part of this. Law enforcement doesn't think in prevention. No. They think in response. Mm -hmm. And that's how they've been trained. It's the way it we is. run our system. It's how our whole legal system works. We don't do prevention, mm -hmm. except we could, mm -hmm. because the red flags are there. The information could be reported. People could just be checked out, not not criminally, but just welfare checks. Mm -hmm. Are you doing okay? Check and see. Has this person bought a bunch of guns recently? You know, like just a few things that you could look into to see, like, is this person all right? right. Is there some stability issues here that maybe we need to consider they might be dangerous? Mm -hmm. It's not like the profile is hard to figure out. No. It's and the same it damn story over and over shooting. again. Right. Would it prevent every single shooting? Maybe not. No, but, but would it prevent does. some? Yeah. Some? It would. Yeah. We need a national hotline. We do. That's what I'm saying. You heard me. Now yeah. tell your public officials. Mm -hmm. We need a national hotline for reporting yeah. um, potentially dangerous people. Yep. Agree. That would at least be something. Would, would be better than doing nothing, which is what we're doing now. Just responding when it's too late every yep. fucking time. Yeah. And, and then saying, oh, had we only known. Right. Except that the thing is, somebody did know. Somebody yeah. did know. You go look up. And you go did look know. Up and then 10 school shootings. Yep. Well, in this somebody case, knew. someone did know. And she put, put on hold and the police came and talked to her six hours later. Yeah. Real helpful. Unfortunately, she was calling in at the same time that the school was calling in. and. Yeah. Yeah. But had she known even an hour sooner, or if she, instead of calling the suicide hotline, had called the shooter hotline, the, the shooter hotline, or whatever the hell it is, you know, mm -hmm. maybe they still wouldn't have stopped it. But there are some that would have. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's my two cents. That's what I think we need to start. I like your two cents a lot. Well, thank you. All right. Well, I'm going to take it back over with some uh, creepy, no, weird crime time. Weird crime time. Weird crime time. This pretty girl's name is Tiwa. Oh. And Tiwa was kidnapped as a baby. Oh, my goodness. And if you're listening and not watching, you can't see this, so I will explain her to you. Tiwa is an alligator. <laughs> a, a huge alligator. In fact, an eight foot long alligator. 
Oh my lord. And Tiwa wow. is actually a super duper good girl. Uh, but Tiwa's initial handler, or um, okay, I hate to call her owner, but kidnapper, kidnapper, worked as kidnapper, worked as a zoo volunteer. To oh, the, <clears throat> to the that animal. kind of kidnapping. Yes, she oh. was a zoo volunteer to the animal world and snake farm zoo in New Braunfels, Texas. And wow. while she was working there some 20 years ago, she made off with either, authorities aren't quite sure, a hatchling or an egg of an alligator. And she's been raising her ever since. Well, it just so happened that recently the gator was seen in somebody's backyard with an artificial pond and kind of a just a little backyard setup. Uh, they were searching. They were actually on an unrelated law enforcement hunting investigation. Texas game wardens mm. were looking for something else and happened past that house and happened to notice an eight foot long alligator in someone's back garden. Oh my, what, why? And why they said, would you possibly want an eight foot long alligator in your yard? Well, I don't know if she ever realized how big she was gonna get, but- It's uh, a bad zoo volunteer then. It's illegal to have them uh, oh. for obvious reasons, unless you have gone through all of the proper licensing. And it's actually fairly hard in Texas to get licensed to keep animals like that. And this lady couldn't come anywhere near the uh, what you would be required to have. And so the fish and game have uh, seized her, returned her to, uh, to whence she came. And, you know, the zoo is like, well, I mean, technically she was ours anyway. So, yeah, mm -hmm. she can come back. And now wow. she's acclimating to her new surroundings. Uh they said she's actually, because she'd been raised as a hatchling by this lady, she's cooperated very well with her and been, uh, you know, hasn't hurt anybody up to this point. Good. But you can't know that she won't. Also. No. What the hell is she feeding her? Right. Can you imagine how expensive it must be to feed an eight foot long alligator? I would imagine it's like whole chickens or some crazy thing like that. I would imagine, yeah. I, I'll, I'll bet it's expensive as hell to feed her. So on one hand, I would imagine that the uh, the, the lady who had her is probably pretty heartbroken. Uh, or maybe she's relieved. I don't know. But on the other, if you're going to volunteer at the zoo, you only steal monkeys for God's sake. So <laughs> No, you don't. You don't steal anything from the zoo. This is why I can't volunteer at the zoo. Yes, it is. There'd be monkeys and baby otters in my pockets. <laughs> I get the oh, temptation. Boy. I do. But really, an alligator? Right. Of all the things to steal, a baby alligator? Are you crazy? What else? Mm. What else does she hate? Does it make you wonder? How many snakes right? she got in that house? Yeah. I was thinking <laughs> the same thing. How many snakes are in that house? Oof. Oof, right. I don't know. This is, yeah, not, an alligator would not be my, uh, yeah. No, me either. A little tiny tortoise, maybe? Yeah. 
Okay. Maybe just don't steal. Maybe yes. just don't steal. Period. Do not steal. And if you can't <laughs> keep from stealing from the zoo, don't volunteer there. That's why I don't volunteer there. <laughs> I I'm telling you, I'd have purses and pockets full of monkeys and baby otters, and that would I, be bad. It would be bad. Very tempting. Mm-hmm. Well, those little, those little shits bite. So I'm just saying, this might not last very long. Well, now you know. Don't do that. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to let you wrap us up with one more uh, <laughs> crime news update. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we know that parents sometimes use their kids as pawns in ugly divorces. Uh. And then there's Veronica Youngblood. Oh, Veronica Youngblood gave her two daughters who were 15 and five at the time uh-huh. gummies that were sleeping medication. And once they were asleep, she shot and killed them both. And then she called her husband who she was wanting to get revenge on and told him. Yep. She had killed their children. This happened on August 5th in 2018 mm-hmm. in McLean, Virginia. And oh my God, it's just, it's unfathomable to me. Yep. Uh, she did plead guilty, uh, not or plead not guilty by reason of insanity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, they most certainly should, this should never have happened. Yeah, you think? Oh, but she was going to kill them and then kill herself. Oh, but she forgot uh, that last part, Day. She did forget the last part, yes. Mm-hmm. And um, apparently her husband was moving away and was taking the youngest child, the five-year-old Brooklyn, with mm-hmm. him and leaving her. And Veronica was staying. Um, well, Veronica's the mom. And then Sharon, Sharon Castro, um, who was a step stepdaughter to uh-huh. dad um, was staying with mom. Uh-huh. And so she decided that she was going to get back at him, but the plan was to kill them. It was, it was supposed to be a murder suicide, but apparently she couldn't bother to take her own life after she did this to her children. Well, she has finally been sentenced uh-huh. to 78 years in prison. Good. Which I think is good. She's 37, so she will be there the rest of her life. Uh-huh. And she certainly is not a person that should be out in society, nor should she be allowed to have any more children. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sharon actually was able to call 911 and talk to the police before she died. Wow. Yeah. Oh. Um, Brooklyn died at the scene. Sharon died a little later. Uh-huh. Oh. That is but, so sad and horrifying. Such a horrific story. I mean, I'm glad in some way that justice has been served and that these babies get some justice that their mother is going away, but there's no justice in this case really no. at all. No. So sayonara mm-hmm. to you, Veronica Youngblood. Ugh. Yeah. Awful. 
Well, I'm glad she got that many years, though. That'll keep her there forever, where she belongs. Um, that's, you know, with someone like her, that's really the only thing we can do, right? Oh, sure. Yep. I mean, we see these cases all the time. Yep. We have no other recourse but to lock people up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, she can't be trusted in society, obviously. No. She would Around. murder her own children to get back at someone. Yeah. That's, oh, God. That's brutal, man. Yeah, it is. All righty. Well, that's what we've got. So we're going to be back tonight at 7 p.m. Mountain for case updates, uh, updating lots of the cases that we are following. By that time, we should have a report about what actually did go on in court with Lori today. Mm -hmm. So we'll find out. Uh, that's at 10.30 a.m. Wednesday, Mountain Time. So we should know what's going on there. And... Yeah, be ready to uh, roll. So, thanks you guys so much for being here. Please like, share, follow, you know, all of the things. We appreciate you. If you're a patron, there are two brand new Patreons uh, released yeah. for March. So, please go and check those out. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, you will discover in one of them. We both actually uh, shared a song that we <laughs> sing to our dogs when it's potty time. That was a little... Uh, you know, we get off track too. slightly occasionally, and we really did in that one episode. But... <laughs> I think you'll find it hilarious. <laughs> and or, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> One of the, I think I sang twice, okay? I think you I did. I did it twice. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Thanks. So if you do or don't want to experience that, now you know it's over there. <laughs> All right, guys. Please do something good for yourselves today. You know you deserve it. Thanks so much for being here. This has been yet another production of the True Crime Squad. Bye, everybody. Thank you.